Welcome to Beyond Conventional Marketing, a marketing leader's guide to digital consumer experiences. You're about to hear an episode full of insights from marketing leaders to help you build meaningful moments and relevant digital experiences for your consumers. Join us as we hear from marketing leaders about their experiences with data and personalization, digital marketing trends, and expert advice on how to grow your business and connect with consumers. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Beyond Conventional Marketing. I'm your host, Anushka Lokesh, and today's guest with me is Yvonne Kinser, who's the VP of Marketing and Innovation at Avocados from Mexico. Hi, Yvonne, how are you? Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me today. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Before we get started, though, I would love for you to just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I came to the United States from Venezuela in 2001. So I say that I spent the first half of marketing career in the U.S. learning the rules in traditional organizations, 500 fortune companies, big brands. And then I spent the second half breaking the rules that I have learned with caution because I have already learned about the bureaucracies and politics. So breaking the rules with a lot of caution, but nonetheless breaking them. I realized halfway through my career that I'm a transformational leader, not that much an operational leader. So I kind of leaned towards companies that and brands that were being created or transforming, going through transformational stages or legacy brands looking to get modernized. And and that's how I got to Avocados from Mexico eight years ago. Amazing. I love the idea of being a transformational leader and, and breaking rules in a cautious way, of course. Yes. So with all your experience over the last several years, what would you say your approach to innovation or marketing is? One thing I didn't mention, I'm a native digital marketer. I started in digital marketing in 2001, but that doesn't make me digital marketer. And I just say that, but let me explain. I'm a marketer. If actually when I graduated, internet didn't exist. So I started in traditional advertising, but my experience in digital marketing throughout the years had given me very good understanding of the digital space. And I used that knowledge and that experience and that understanding to innovate in marketing. I lean towards technology. I love learning about new technologies and how the marketing capabilities evolved and get stronger thanks to technology. So I use that, the marketing ecosystem, as a toolbox to drive innovation. For me, digital marketing and technology is an accelerator, is an enabler. So when we, you think about innovation, the way I look at it, it has to start with either an opportunity or a problem. And then you have uh, any organization, any brand has opportunities, has problems, and that's 
where issues start, the thinking about how we can seize that opportunity, how we can solve that problem. And it's when I go to my digital toolbox and hand pick the tools that are going to help me. You know, innovation is a word that has been repeated so much lately. And every company says, we are innovative, we want to innovate. But really, it's a very, very simple concept. It's just problem solving. It's just how you, in creative ways, seize opportunities and solve the problems of your brand or organization. So when you're thinking about, you know, solving a problem, what are maybe some of the steps or the process that you go through? And then as you're thinking about that toolbox, I would love to understand what's in that toolbox as well. Yes, of course. So everybody approaches innovation in different ways, depending on their own skills and and capabilities. I recently did the Clifton Strength, which used to be the Strength Founders. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but basically it's an assessment and it tells you what are your strengths. My three top strengths are, one is Maximizer, that desires to make things better and make things from great to extraordinary. The second one is critical thinking. And the third one is learning. I'm a a lifetime learner. So my approach to innovation, interestingly, followed my top three strengths. So I identify the problem or the opportunity, then the learner in me just dig into the space and look in the possibilities, the, the tools, the enablers that I have in the marketing technology ecosystem. And then the critical thinker in me just find the ways to combine in a creative way that nobody else has done because that is what drives innovation to find solutions. So again, it's just, there's, many methodologies to drive innovation. As a champion of innovation for my organization, I have been learning and researching for years about it, but but it's always depends on what are the collective skills of the organization. And in my case is what are my strengths and my, my skills and how I use them to drive that innovation. Yeah. I think the idea of of leveraging your strengths to solve problems and to drive innovation is is so important because a lot of time people tend to focus on you know what's wrong or like try to improve their weaknesses but you can be as much or if not more powerful by looking at your strengths yeah and when you look at the not at, at an individual level but at the organizational level and you focus on the strength of each individual then you have an organization that collectively is very, very strength instead of wasting efforts and really driving frustration by focusing on the weakness of some individual. Everybody has weakness, right? But instead of focusing on the weakness, you just focus on the strength of each to accomplish a, a collective strength that is a lot more powerful than trying to use resources to overcome the weaknesses. So as you mentioned, from a team perspective, obviously you have certain strengths and then the people that you're working with will will also have certain strengths that build a well-functioning team. So what are some of the other things that you've noticed in the people that you work with that maybe they're not strengths that you have, 
but are also valuable to this process of like problem solving and innovation. Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, people tend to hire people that is very similar to them, which in my opinion is a mistake because you really need to find people to balance out each other. In my case, my Top skills is actually one top skill that is uh, also a combination of multiple skills is learning agility. And I have learned this through the years as I work and take projects and get to know myself more. And that's a transferable, transferable skills that actually is a combination of a series of complex skills like speed, flexibility, experimentation, exploration, curiosity, reflection, information gathering. So I think that I'm a, I'm a learner, I'm an explorer, and that kind of drive the creativity and innovation. My team is not that they don't have that skills, but they may be stronger in other skills like organization. There's one skill in the Clifton strength that is called WU, W-U. OO, which is the people that is extremely sociable and can go and influence and cross-pollinate information. So I have one person like that in my team and it's amazing because that is taking our collective skills as a group to another level when you are able to go and align with other teams in other departments, etc. I have someone that has extremely strong analytic skills. So it's also another pillar that is sustaining the success of my department. So it's very interesting when you put all the skills of a group together, how you have a very, very solid performance as a group. Yeah, I love that it's called Woo. And when you were explaining it, I thought of someone on my team also that I have that like, she has just this great energy and has this power to like keep everybody positive and motivated that now there is a word for it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right. Amazing. So I think as you were talking through, you know, your approach to innovation and these transferable skills, would you maybe have some examples of how this like approach and some of these skills apply in your, in your role at Avocados from Mexico? Sure. An example that comes to my mind is one problem that we had, and is that one of the barriers, consumption barriers for avocados, is the lack of avocado knowledge. Consumers can get intimidated by when this avocado is going to be ripe for me to eat it, how accelerate ripening, how to slow down ripening, you know how it is. So... The problem was that how can we be next to the consumer every time that he or she is just picking an avocado in the grocery store? That's impossible. As humans, we cannot send one person to every grocery store where we have avocados. But then, again, using that learning skill, curiosity, critical thinking, and also going back to my toolbox, my digital toolbox, I thought about a solution that leveraging technology, creating a chatbot that consumers can tap into when they are in the grocery store. They can ask any questions about how to pick the right avocado, how to slow 
down ripening, et cetera. So what we did is we did in partnership with our shopper team, we did a partnership with Walmart and they place stripes with a phone number, text this number to get information about how to handle pick your avocados. So when the consumer will text that number, they will receive a link. That link will take them to the chatbot and the chatbot, which actually we call the chatbot, we create a character for the chatbot called Selma Avocado. So it feels more human. They will talk to Selma Avocado and ask, how can I pick the right avocado? How can I slow ripening? How can I speed up ripening? So the whole process shows how that flexibility, taking information that I have from previous roles. So my learning in the digital space and bringing them to solve a problem in an avocado brand, which it will be apparently disconnected, but at the end is also the ability to bring the information to close gaps and kind of bring two points together. Yeah. And I like that the solution was technology oriented, but still very simple, actually. Like you're just texting a number and having a conversation with someone. Very simple, very affordable. And it, additionally to the solution that we created, it created an enormous brand opportunity, super valuable brand opportunity because a product like ours that is, it lives, lives in a brandless category, packageless, it gave us the opportunity to bring our brand to a retail partner like Walmart. And other way, we wouldn't have that brand into that retailer and considering that building the brand Avocados from Mexico is one of the two goals of we as an organization, that was an incredible opportunity that opened up additionally to solving a problem. Yeah, that's amazing for your consumer as well, because from a brand perspective, at the most functional level, they're helping you make a choice and they're helping you do something that you're maybe not sure how to do. And there's no fancy campaign or nothing like that. It's just you're providing them exactly what they need in that moment. Exactly. Exactly. Building relationship with consumers, which is always important and very valuable. Even when you said that, you know, the like there was a character assigned to the chatbot. That's also like a very cute way to build a relationship with the customer. Yeah, definitely. All right. I really love that example. And I think for me personally as well, I, whenever I'm like buying avocados, it sometimes feels like Russian roulette because I'll buy them and then they'll either go bad or there's a very small window. I feel when they're okay and when I can use them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we wanted is just to how we can take the consumers, each consumer, each shopper by their hand through the process and building that relationship, building that trust. And it's just leveraging technology to accomplish that. And once, you know, the investment was a one-time investment, but it really provided that support for, it's still, it's still live, not, not in Walmart at this point, but it's still live on our Facebook page, etc. So anyone can go and interact with, um, with Selma Avocado and, and ask whatever they want. What if you could provide all of your consumers the most relevant digital experience? With predictive personalization at the heart of your digital marketing strategy, you can build meaningful relationships with consumers and grow your business quickly. 
Brainify's AI-driven platform can help you at any stage of your personalization journey. Whether you're looking to collect data, optimize customer journeys, or curate predictive personalized experiences, Using one line of code, Brainify integrates with any marketing tool you already use in just two weeks. Ready to learn more about creating personalized digital consumer experiences? Connect with us at brainify.ai. So when you were, I guess, implementing Selma Avocado, like what were some of the challenges that you faced? Like, did you have to do research around, you know, what questions customers were asking, is Selma Avocado a real person or is it, you know, an automated chatbot? Like what were some of the challenges and choices that you faced? Yeah. So when we concept the solution, the first thing that I was very clear about is that I didn't want it to try to be or pretend to be a human. I wanted to be clear that it was a character in the digital space. I don't know if you're familiar with the term, but but in digital marketing, we talk about the uncanny valley, which is when brands try to build digital characters to look like a real person. And it's kind of creepy. So it <laughs> brings very negative reaction from the consumer. So the first thing is, it's going to be obviously a robot. And the challenge was how we can make the robot somehow intuitive so it's not annoying it really answer what the consumer wants to know it doesn't take the consumer through a rabbit trail through the conversation tree so it was a lot of work to get a conversation tree and the capabilities machine learning capabilities to learn about what consumers are asking and what they are expecting and then take that learning and apply it to the next one to kind of optimize the experience uh, over and over. It was not very easy and simple, kind of the building the conversation tree, adding the technology and the capabilities. But once it was done, it's just, again, that was a few years ago and still a very, very useful tool that still helping us to build relationship with the consumers, especially in the education space, which is something that we continually have to be reinforcing because, again, it's one of the barriers of consumption. And is there, so you had that activation in Walmart and now it's just on your digital channels? Is there any plans to... Yeah, so it, right now it's in our website, it's in our Facebook page. So it's, if anyone wants to send a message through Facebook, then the chatbot will, Selma, will respond with any question. But if if that consumer still wants to talk to Avocado from Mexico, then it will have the opportunity to send the message to a human. But at least it's kind of, um, I guess, in the front desk. Yeah filtering the needs of the consumer and they don't feel ignored. So it's there. So any partnership where we can use it, we're completely open to it. And we, you know, we updated as technology advanced and as uh, machine learning capabilities get uh, more sophisticated. We have had a couple of updates. So, but yeah, it's still available for, for other activations if we want to incorporate it. 
Yeah, that's a nice option for people as well, because sometimes when people are going grocery shopping, they don't really want to talk to a person, but they still have questions that they need to be answered. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so as we're kind of wrapping up our conversations, do you have something that you would like to share in terms of advice that people could take away from this conversation? Yeah, something that I have been thinking lately is about a term that actually I have lived by, but I came across the term that described that mindset. And I would love to share it with your audience, which is constructive dissatisfaction. I think, and I explained what is it. I think that the it is even more important that experience today because the world and the technology and marketing is evolving so fast and constructive dissatisfaction, what it means is the desire to make things better, but it's coming from a positive place. It's more like driven by optimism of um, thinking that it's really, really possible to take things to an, to the next level and to improve things. I think that every person, regardless of the industry, regardless of the role, regardless of the brand they are working on, that mindset of Constructed dissatisfaction really is the difference between the ones that follows and the ones that lead in terms of brand leaders and marketers. And, you know, I think that nonconformism or, or conformism is the enemy of progress. And when I saw this term, it's just completely the opposite. It's just very encouraging to, to go for more and to try harder to make things different that the way they are today, that, that is progress to me. And, and I think that is, I love progress and is what, what is making the difference and giving a huge competitive advantage to brands today. Yeah, definitely. And do you have, as you live this mindset, do you face any challenges? Because I know you've, as you mentioned, like you've always worked in like large organizations and you talked about breaking some rules. Yeah. Is that part of this mindset? It's funny that you ask that because yes, of course, changing, challenging the status quo and challenging paradigms is never, ever easy. Change is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for the person that is pushing for the change, but the person pushing for the change just probably feels comfortable in the uncomfortable zone. But for everyone around, it's just it's really uh, a source of uh, discomfort. And I've had her few times, why do you don't leave it like that? I mean, just leave it alone is good enough. And, you know, for people like me that strongly believe that things always can be better is, I mean, it's really difficult just to leave it at. But I think that's the biggest challenge that I can mention. However, again, depending on what is your context and what is the organization and what is the mindset of the organization you are working on. And that's why I always have kind of uh, pursued that type of organization that embrace change and embrace innovation. So it's a better fit whatever for each other. <laughs> definitely. No, that that's actually something that when you mentioned it, it's something that I will definitely take away and try and live more like that in my both professional and personal life. So thank you very much for for sharing that and also talking about, you know, maybe some of the challenges that you face with it as well. It's it's inspirational to hear that. Love it. My yeah. pleasure. 
Well, we've loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time today and for all your your insights and sharing so much of not only what you do, but how you do it as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love being here. Thank you for the invite. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Conventional Marketing, a Brainify podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and share it. To learn more about creating delightful digital experiences, join us for the next conversation.